the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. And this is known as the Dennis Prager Show. I hope you read my column today. Every Tuesday, my column comes out. It's at DennisPrager.com, TownHall.com, and then goes around the Internet. And it is my thesis, which I explained yesterday in hour one, that somebody must go to prison for the killing of the woman on the set of the Alec Baldwin movie. And it's not only about that, well, it is about that primarily, but it is also something you will not find in almost any column. It is a Bible lesson. It's very powerful stuff, and very new for 99% of readers, even people who are biblically literate. But it gives you an idea of what happens in a society that takes the Bible seriously versus one that does not. And the killing of a person is taken more seriously in biblical ethics than in secular ethics. That's the way it is. So, hello, everybody. Listen to this. Are you ready? We have uh, we have truly gone mad. And I have an explanation for, or at least many explanations, for why we have gone mad. But I am going to give you this particular example, which, needless to say, will be the last thing on my list. No, no question about it. And am I right? I'm right. <laughs> National Theatre of Scotland bans the word spooky at Halloween as it is a, quote, racial slur. Did you know that spooky was a racial slur? Oh, if you didn't, that is no excuse for your racist ignorance. The arts organizations say, it's from British source, that's why they use the plural say, we would say the arts organization says, that the sinister history of the word during World War II was brought to their attention by staff members at the organization. The word spooky has been canceled this Halloween after National Theatre Scotland, NTS, banned the word from their shows after it was identified as a racial slur. NTS planned to drop the alleged racist slur despite the fact that businesses from supermarkets to visit Scotland are planning to use the term in the build-up to October 31st. Wow. They got him just in time. That is spooky. That's right. Did you know that the word... Let me think of one here. The word thumb is racist. That's right. The word thumb. 
Do you know that there is no word that we cannot find some college graduate to assert is racist? That's right. Thumb was used in slavery in the 18th and 19th centuries in the Caribbean. That's right. Thumb. Do you know that there is no word, as I said, that I could not make the case for its racist origins? The organization last used the term in 2016 for a Christmas carol at the Old Kirk in Kirkledy when the venue was described as a, quote, spooky location. Those racists. However, the charity has expressed a commitment to fighting racism following the global Black Lives Matter movement, and as part of that, they have identified offensive words, including spooky. I don't like to snitch on my fellow uh, workers, but I just, I feel that I'm morally obligated to say that Sean has used the word spooky at least four times in our years together. Okay. That, That was, I'm sorry, I feel bad, I feel bad, it's, I don't want you to think of it as snitching. It, it rather it is racial awareness on the part of a white man. A theater source said, "No one has complained. This is this is truly this is epic. What I'm about to read you is epic." A theater source said, "Quote: No one has complained about it, but there were worries they could in the future." We have now reached a new low, and it's hard to reach new lows from the left. It's very, very hard. But this is clearly. No one has actually alleged that it is racist, but somebody might in the future. That is my theory about the word thumb. There are some people who will undoubtedly assert that thumb is racist. There's been a lot of training and meetings since the BLM movement and how NTS should change, National Theatre Scotland. It's, it might seem mad, but NTS is committed to fighting racism. Yes, it does seem mad, NTS. That is correct. You are bored cowards. I don't know which is greater, your boredom or your cowardice. To fighting racism... You really? You're fighting racism? Or are you making the fight against racism ludicrous? That's what they are. They're making it utterly silly. But they're doing something even more important, which I will come to momentarily. So need to be extra careful in the language it uses. It's always been a really white organization, but it is trying to change that and become more diverse. There might not be many people who know that spooky can also be used as racist. And now, one of the great lines of the piece. But even if it's one person who was offended, it is one person too many. 
Maybe the person is an idiot. Is that possible? Why is anyone, and it's always on the left, no one on the right could possibly be offended appropriately, but why is anyone on the left offended taken seriously? Maybe your taking offense is foolish, is puerile, meaning profoundly childish. Maybe you are a bored narcissist. Not maybe, or definitely a bored narcissist. Issues with the word have reemerged in the United States over the last decade or so, the Daily Record reports. It is believed that the Dutch word spook translates to ghost in English and has been used since the 19th century. It has also been used to describe a spy. But U.S. military officers used the term in a more sinister way during World War II by using it as a derogatory term to describe black pilots. In 2000, Philip Roth wrote a book called The Human Stain, which told the story of an academic forced to quit after calling two black students spooks. And in 2010, supermarket chain Target apologized after selling black soldier action figures called spook drop parachuters. But why is that negative? And isn't it a good thing to sell black action figures, black soldier action figures? Okay, so I just wanted you to know that. Latest figures show over 91% of the National Theatre of Scotland board and 87% of its core staff are white. White. That is spooky. What was that, my friends? That was spooky. Of course it wasn't me. I'm not even on that uh, I'm not even on that page. That was spooky, my friends. That's it. Why is this done? I'll tell you the reason. Because there is so little racism, they must invent examples of it. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. That's what we do. That is correct. 1-8 Prager 776. The word spooky is racist according to the National 
Theatre of Scotland. Scotland has flipped out. It's one of the most woke places on earth. They feel great about themselves. They're fighting racism by getting rid of the word spooky. Yes, indeed. I am here only with the racist himself, Sean, who has used spooky four times. And every time I remember saying to him, I can't believe it. You're using the word spooky? And he and he just continued in his ways. It's a good thing the living martyr's not here. He's still out on quarantine because of COVID. He'll be out on quarantine for about two months. Guy's been negative for a week. But anyway, that's the rules. The rules are the rules. I had COVID two weeks ago, and I am the proud carrier of natural immunity. The best type you can possibly have. And I attribute my good health and minimal reaction to COVID to a year and a half of hydroxychloroquine and zinc and ivermectin and the natural antibodies that were put into my body. These were fantastic things which should have been done to everybody. Instead, vast numbers of Americans were allowed to die by the medical profession, which has staked its diminishing credibility on the vaccine alone. I don't say the vaccine doesn't work. I say that depending on that alone has been a death warrant. Not because the vaccine kills, but because other things are better or might be better, like the prophylactic medicines. We will have a Yale epidemiologist on at the bottom of the hour. Ask him what he thinks about all of this. Don't fool yourselves when you say you follow the science. You follow the scientists you you want to follow. You don't follow the science. They follow the compliance. That is a fair statement, by the way. Compliance has racist overtones. And I, if I were you, Sean, I, I think I think that and Spooky have had their day. Compliance is a is a slave term, and we all know that. Do I make light of these terms? Of course, I make light of these terms because they're a gigantic lie. There's nothing racist about the word spooky. It's a gigantic lie. The left only lies. That's what it does. Because truth is not a left-wing value. So why not lie? Do you, is anybody listening, think spooky is a racist term? So why is it used? Most important point of all. They make up these these things just like all the race hoaxes about the swastikas and the N-word on dormitory doors. They make it all up because there's so little real racism. They have to make it up. Spooky is an ode to how little racism there really is. Get it? So they invent lies. But these lies have an effect on the young brainwashed who come out of college thinking they're wonderful because they're fighting 
racism, which is almost non-existent. Of course there's racism. There's everything. There's anti-Semitism. And I'm a Jew, and I'm telling you it is a blessing to be a Jew in America, unless the left takes over, in which case it will be a curse. Okay, one eight Prager seven seven six. Yes, Washington Post, September last last month. Natural immunity to COVID is powerful. Policymakers seem afraid to say so. People making decisions. This is the Washington Post, a lying newspaper. So it's shocking to have this this uh, article by Marty McCary, professor at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, editor in chief of MedPage Today. Many elected leaders and public health officials have held on far too long to the hypothesis that natural immunity offers unreliable protection against COVID-19, a contention that is being rapidly debunked by science. More than 15 studies have demonstrated the power of immunity acquired by previously having the virus. A 700,000-person study from Israel found that those who had expressed prior infections, experienced prior infections, were 27 times less likely to get a second symptomatic COVID infection than those who were vaccinated. 27 times less likely. I am 27 times less likely to get symptomatic infection than those of you who were vaccinated and didn't get COVID. But I can't go to my gym. That's right. I can't get in because I didn't get a vaccine. I'm 27 times healthier than the guy who got the vaccine, but I can't go in. I live in California. Equinox. Equinox is is a woke organization. That's all it is. A Trump-hating CEO who follows like a coward, like a sheep, that whatever directive comes down so that even people who had COVID cannot enter their gyms. So I quit after five years. 1-8 Prager 776. We continue. The Dennis Prager Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you about an interesting supplement that has made a big deal in my life. I had the, the pins and needles feeling in my feet. I've had it for about 25 years. It got quite intense. So among the things I did is I had inserts put in, which helped because it lifted the bone from the nerve. And I threw away the inserts last year after I started taking Nerve Renew. I read about Nerve Renew on the internet, and so I tried it out. And amazingly, after about a year, it doesn't happen overnight, I got rid of the inserts I had worn for 10 years. It's minimal, the, uh, the pins and needles effect that I have. I'd like you to try it out. Go to NerveRenew.com. They offer a two-week trial of their product and a one-year money-back guarantee at NerveRenew.com or your two-week trial now. I asked them to advertise. That's how effective I think the product is, NerveRenew.com. Hello, my friends. Dennis Prager here. I'm honored to have 
a professor of epidemiology in the Department of Epidemiology and Public Health at the Yale School of Public Health, Dr. Harvey Reich. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you, sir. So there would be no reason you would. Oh, no, you might. You, I think you might know this. Anyway, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago. And I was just reading, tell me if you agree with this, that I am many times uh, less likely as a result of having had COVID as opposed to having been vaccinated to have symptomatic infection. In the future? Yes, in the future. You're less likely. I can't say about the many times, but you're definitely as or less likely to get COVID in the future. You have, uh, you're building now. Uh, natural immunity to the organism. You have, you will have immunity to a, a large degree against variants that might develop in the future, and um, it's a very strong immunity and lasts for a long time. So, ideally, one would have COVID as opposed to the vaccination. I'm not asking you to speak against the vaccination. I'm not even implying that. I'm just saying between the two. This is the better way to go, obviously, if you're not hurt by it. Well, yes, it's hard to predict in advance, except that we know who the people are at high risk. You know, older people, people with obesity, diabetes, uh, people who've had cancer or have other immune suppression. Um, those are people who are at, at high risk who should validly consider getting the vaccines. Most lower-risk people do fine, and certainly with the availability of, of early treatment, do fine, uh, and especially children and young adults do fine almost entirely, unless, as I said, they have chronic conditions. Um, so both their future susceptibility to the COVID uh, variants is, is going to be lower, and the population as a whole will uh, reduce the spread of, of infection and, and future infections much more strongly with a large amount of natural immunity. And we know in the United States we have now between 50 and 70 percent of the population has had COVID. So we have pretty strong natural immunity, and it's only increasing with time. What is your take on masks? Um, I think the evidence on masks is that it's very bad evidence. (laughs) So honestly, there's no way to know whether masks really help or not. There's two possible situations, does does mask wearing help the person who's wearing the mask, and does mask wearing help people around that person, uh, what's called source control. And the evidence is that there's too little real firm knowledge to know that there's benefit or not benefit. And so there are two studies about source control, one in the marine uh, barracks and the other, um, I think, was in Denmark. And both of them showed that there was not appreciable benefit to keeping the spread of infection down by wearing masks. So it's really hard to know that that there's good evidence to support this. People, we do it because we all want to contribute, you know, as best we can. But the evidence behind it is is fairly weak. What about for children at school? For children at school, there's there's very little evidence that children, young children, spread the infection very much. There's one study that just came out that that purports to show high levels of virus in the nose of children just, uh, just like adults. But, but virus in the nose does not translate into the ability to spread it, and that's an inference. What we know about the empirical studies looking at 
uh, infected children versus infected adults and spread within their families, within their home dwelling units, is that children are very, very infrequently the, the cause of spread to other family members. It's almost always the adults spread to children, not the other way around. So we know from empirical uh, studies that children don't spread the infection. And that being the case, there's little rationale for putting, uh, you know, masking children where we don't know that the, benefit, that the mask has appreciable benefit on top of the fact that the children don't really spread the infection very much. So why do airlines have to have children two and older wear masks? The reason for regulation is beyond my pay grade. That's a big uh, that's a big statement. That's very important that you said that because your pay grade is very high. You're a professor of epidemiology. <laughs> so if it's above your pay grade, it means it's completely irrational. We're going to come back in a moment uh, with Dr. Harvey Reich, or Rich, excuse me. He is a professor of epidemiology. It's R I S C H and the Department of Epidemiology at Yale. I can't wait to ask him how his colleagues react to him. Indeed, how he reacts to the medical profession. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm Dennis Prager, Yale epidemiologist. Dr. Harvey Risch is my guest. I, my last question to the doctor was his reaction to the masking of children ages two and up on airplanes. He said it was above his pay grade, which is a very sweet way of saying he has no clue as a professional epidemiologist why this is the case. So let me ask you to simply guess, why do you think something so patently absurd is the case? I think that there's a lot of fear People are afraid. Companies are afraid. Everybody is just following orders from above and goes all the way up the chain of companies to their top. And even those people may be afraid. And for that reason, we see um, things, policies that look like they have face value, not to be a pun there, um, uh, but that may not have any real value, and masking may fall into that category. You know, it seems at initial look that it's a harmless thing to do. We know that it's not, but that the degree of harm is still, for most people, relatively small. And But over a long term and long hours, maybe 
you know, less small. But that companies are doing this is because if their legal teams are probably afraid that if, if some epidemic were to break out in their uh, circumstances, that they would be accused of not doing everything they could to prevent it, and therefore they put all possible, <clears throat> you know, these kinds of protective, so-called protective measures in place so that they're legally protected. And I think that's so you So that's right. interesting. So it, it, is it your assumption, and I understand nobody knows the answer, but is it your assumption that uh, if the CDC and FDA announced it is unnecessary for children under the age of 16, just to pick an age, to be masked on an airplane, you think the airplanes, the airlines would continue to enforce it? Probably not. They would have. See, that's the whole point, that companies, institutions, all point up the chain to somebody else taking the responsibility for their decision. Good. So who is giving, who is giving this order? That's a good question. Uh, I think that the CDC has, has put a lot of these messages out, um, and I think that uh, government representatives, you know, have chimed in on, on the same thing on various advisory panels and at various um, so-called experts have made public statements on this, and I think that has colored the general perception about this. So you're an epidemiologist, and the CDC is composed in part of epidemiologists. How do you explain they're giving orders that you don't think are rational? I really can't explain the behavior of uh, people who cherry-pick the evidence. And I've seen so much cherry-picked evidence over the last year and a half from the CDC and the FDA that it makes me question the, the veracity of those people. And, and I think part of it involves what I call noble lying, that people in those institutions think that they know better how to get the population to comply with what those institutions think are promoting health behaviors and I don't think that it's honest. I think that lying to the general population when you know the truth but you think that you want to compel behavior is dishonest. And when the population finds out about that, they get extremely angry and rightly so. Mm -hmm. Count me as one of them, as my listeners would know. That's very powerful words that you said, and I salute you for your courage. What is your take on therapeutics such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc? So we have a whole package of, of early treatment therapeutics. Um, we have a, a website, uh, earlycovidcare.org, if I'm allowed to say that. You are not only allowed, we're happy to promote it. Say it again. Uh, earlycovidcare.org that discusses, you know, 10 or 12 of, of these medications and vitamins and minerals and so on. That there's the evidence for them. And they are, they're very effective. The telemedicine groups and large clinical practices across the U.S. that I've surveyed over the last year have now treated in excess of 150,000 patients with, with these medications. They, with fewer than two dozen deaths that they've reported to me, that they are, these are all patient, uh, COVID patients that come to them, so only a fraction of those would have been high risk. Nevertheless, this is a very, very stellar performance of, of these medications. It's an open secret that these telemedicine groups 
are doing this on the, the earlycovidcare.org. There's also links to a, a number of different sources that have connect, links to the telemedicine groups so people can find treatment there if they need it. It's an open secret that, that these things work, that the FDA has conspired to block access to generic treatment is now totally clear. The, the website that the FDA put up in July a year ago claiming that hydroxychloroquine is hazardous when used in outpatients, they did that with no data, no systematic data on outpatients. They say on the same website below the warning that it was based on data from hospitalized patients. Hospitalized COVID is a totally different disease. It's a pneumonia disease, whereas outpatient disease is a flu-like viral replication illness. They're different diseases. They're treated differently. And for the FDA to represent a hazard in outpatients by based on data in hospitalized patients is, is an outright fraud. And that things like that that are still there today make one believe that the FDA is not acting in the interest of the American public. But rather in the interest of? The people, the companies that pay for its existence, which is approximately 60% of the FDA's $6 billion annual budget is paid for by pharma companies. So I'll be back in a moment. I just want to summarize, my dear listeners. A Yale epidemiologist is accusing, correctly, the CDC and FDA of fraud. And he is right. And my, my final question will be, what does a layperson like myself do now since I don't any longer trust the American medical profession? Hi, everybody. It's difficult for me to overstate how much I admire my guest, Dr. Harvey Risch, epidemiologist at Yale. So, Dr. Risch, I ask with great sincerity, and having a brother who is a professor of medicine, what do I do with, with the decline in my ability to trust the American medical profession? So I don't have a good answer because I have the same inability as you do. Um, what I do is I go to the original studies and try to understand what they did and what they report and what their conclusions are. Some of those studies are in the published literature, but as we know, the medical journals today have been, uh, in many cases, corrupted because of all of the company, pharma company advertising that supports those journals and supports the editors of those journals, it means that there's selective pressure to accept only certain papers and papers that put out results that are not in the interest of those companies get suppressed. And I've seen three or four uh, papers that were accepted for publication put up for early view on the journal's website, and then the publisher took them down because they didn't like the messages. That has nothing to do with science. So it, it really is a Wild West free-for-all about medical knowledge. Some papers are being published as preprints in what are called preprint servers, MedArchive, SSRN, and other uh, servers that, that put up unpeer-reviewed manuscripts. And basically, each person is the peer reviewer. Each person who reads it is the peer reviewer has to decide whether the data and the, the report is valid. And that's where medicine is today. Everybody has to basically draw their own conclusions from the original studies because mm -hmm. every person's got a bias, including me. I have my own scientific, you know, thoughts yeah, about... But you, yeah, your fellow science, though. 
earlycovidcare.org. That is where people should go. Dr. Rish, I, I would like to have you on regularly, and uh, you don't even have to say yes now, but I just want you I'm to know happy that. To. Oh, wonderful. God bless you, sir. A man of science and a man of courage. So when I tell you folks that I have lost faith in the American medical establishment, I'm not alone. There are major physicians who have as well. My friends, it's the last week raising funds for the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you love freedom in this country, then you have to help the people fighting for it. And that is the lawyers at ADF who give pro bono to people who cannot afford them. Please contribute today, last week of fundraising. The banner for the Alliance Defending Freedom is on my website, DennisPrager.com. Now at the break is a perfect time to contribute. You will help the country and you will feel better about you. The ADF banner at my website. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 